This is not for the game life. I'm Ivory Glassbot. So there's this place in between Dimension C64 and the Starflare Cone planet. Wrestling trinkets lining the walls. A mask from a forgotten luchador, L.J. Narico. A casket that claims to be the Undertaker's real casket. Exhumed from just before the Earth was swallowed by the sun. 7.6 billion years after the beginning and the end of his career. And what's so unusual about this shop, other than its location, is it's dedicated to the art of wrestling, and the owner used to be a real wrestler. Do I, uh, just speak into here? Yeah, just, just into the mic. Um, my name's Jesse the Body Ventura, and this is my robot body shop emporium. How does it feel, essentially leading a double life? You have a remarkable career in the ring as a commentator. An actor, governor, you name it. And you're uh, essentially a thrift store with robots in it, in a coffee shop, in space. <laughs> it's odd, like, humans don't know about this, but the whole multiverse has seen wrestling. Earth is the only planet that has it. And this one, known as the WWE Universe, my universe, is the one everyone watches. Not just for the WWE, but for the wrestling that springs up in defiance of that homogeny. There's some crazy time reason behind that. We'll find out about that later, I'm sure. But for now, I join him in his coffee shop. It's Snarflergian Saturday. The shop's been open like 10 minutes. The phone on the counter rings. It's an old 80s rotary. Looks like it's been installed by AT&T. Very outdated mode of communication for the time and place. But I guess he just likes the classic. Jesse answers it. Jesse the Body Ventures, Robot Body Shop Emporium. He talks for like yes, five minutes. Um, it's off the record. Yeah, I'm kind of in the Something shady he's been up to, no doubt. A deal here or there. So Jesse treats this man well. Sends him out with an operating manual for a robot. This is the kind of day-to-day stuff he deals with. And to be honest, I'm starting to think this report might be a bit of a dud. But I noticed something. There's a second phone. It's blue. It hangs on the wall. It has just one button. There's a layer of dust over it. Looks like it's not been used in years, and it has a flashing light attached to it when it rings. So I ask him. Oh, it'll be out. And you as well. Say hello to the wife for me. Hey, uh, Jesse. Yo. What's with the second phone? That's a phone I have to keep. But who would ring it? There was this guy years ago. Used to travel with him. Haven't talked to him for a long time. I'm not allowed to contact him. If I contact him, a lot of people are going to come after me. But he can contact me. When was the last time it rang? It hasn't rung since I installed it here. That was nearly 20 years ago. He gazes off into the distance, watching three Snarflirt boys riding fectas around a drowned space frog in the parking lot. And then, something happened that surprised us both. The phone starts ringing. 
Almost like he knew I was going to be there. Oh, wow, it's ringing. Um. Oh, um. He runs his fingers across his forehead like he's just going to comb his hair. But then he remembers he doesn't have any. So he answers it, and his tone shocks me. What the fuck are you doing? You went back to 1988? You got your retarded back? Do you have any idea how angry the Time Jew Council are with you? Oh, hello, sweetie, to you too. Well, in answer to your question, I'm ringing you. I did go back to 1988. Obviously, that requires me to have a retardist. And yes, I'm sure they're dropping their monocles in their space caviar as we speak. How's the numbers looking back at home? You've gone viral. Your last podcast episode had over 7 billion listeners in the first few days alone. How are the numbers looking back on Earth? Yeah, um, they're, yeah, about the same. People love it here. Um, they totally get it. The wrestling world have embraced our sci-fi wrestling podcast, as we're calling it. It's totally working. Well, that's just awesome. Why are you finally bothering to call me? Well, here's the thing. We need a favor. We kind of need a narrator. Well, today on This Snarflurgian Life, where each week we tell stories from throughout space and time. This week... Our episode is called Format Change. It's broken into three acts. Act one, you've just listened to. It's called Promises, Premises. The story of a human who can't stop changing his career. Act two, the podcast within the podcast. An episode of JFPN's post-game show of AEW Fighter Fest featuring his brand new narrator, Jesse the Body Ventura from Act One. And then Act Three. We call it Crossing the Front Lines gonna be a great show stick with us by the way today's episode we're supplying to you is unbeeped if you're looking for a beeped version because there are children around you can download that off our website act two the podcast within a podcast jesse the body venture explains It's been so long since I've stepped foot in the retardis. I really didn't know what to expect. I have this old time transport thing. I put it on, took a deep breath, and it was like I was back in 1986 again, the last time I saw the retardis. Rich was pacing, pressing buttons, playing with doohickeys. He had a new guy with him. His name was Jay. Of course I'd heard Jay. I'd even sold a robot or two based on him. But I'd never actually met him before this day. He really liked 80s fashion. I guess that's because they were coming back from 1988. They'd just been stuck there for two years. And now they were coming back through the time vortex. So, um, yeah, I like to think that we're, we're doing okay. Um, Jay, Jay doesn't necessarily believe that, but, you know, um, he doesn't feel that Time Duke listens are quite as good as real life listens. Um, but, you know, we have a planet where, like, as Time Dukes, there are billions of us, and, you know, we're spread across the multiverse, whereas humans are just this one little pocket with all the best wrestling. So I'm kind of, yeah. What is it you're doing today? Well... 
we're just coming back from 1988, which was great fun. Um, and now we've what we've caught upon all the wrestling that's happened in the meantime, and we're just going to record a podcast um, for AEW's Fighter Fest, um, which just aired actually. Um, in the meantime, I'm also searching for my arch nemesis Taz. So yeah, a lot of fun. He clicks the button and the podcast begins. Welcome to JFPN. We are back from our time travel escapades to 1988. Had a wonderful time. You can listen to that in our archive, anchor.fm forward slash jfabe, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Tonight, we are talking AEW's Fighterfest. Fresh on the heels of a monster show in Las Vegas, everyone's favorite next big wrestling organization does their second show at Daytona Beach. We talk pre-show as SoCal Uncensored take on the best friends and private party. Ali faces the librarian Lever Bates and Michael Naka Naka Nakazawa oils up for a one-on-one versus Alex Jabaley of CEOGaming.org. Does this non-wrestler have what it takes? Plus, Oriental Wrestling Seema takes on Christopher Daniels in a Mac Classic. Yuka Sakazaki and Riho contend with Nyla Rose in a three-way dance. The man with the golden gullet MJF enters a four-way with Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy and the world's most popular hangman. Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen give a new meaning to the words dusty finish. Plus, Lucha Bros and the Laredo Kid must defeat Shenlong to stand a chance as the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega show us just how to cosplay like a badass. And then, after dark, in a non-sanctioned match, Joey Janela sees if John Moxley can still hang low and slow on the deathmatch scene, or has he picked up too many PG tips, if you know what I mean. It's going to be a great show. My colleague, fresh, fra- fresh-faced from a holiday in the 80s, watching Bleed Bleed Forever, it's everyone's favourite beard, it's Jay. And I myself, I'm of course Bear, the time duke known as Rich. Going to be a great show. Stick around. Hey, Jay, what's going on? Hey, Rich. How uh, is it going? How is it going? Yeah, it's so good. So good. So good. So, yeah, how have you, how have you found this week and everything within it? It's a bit strange, but, you know, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's been one of our weird weeks, hasn't it? Definitely one of the weirdest weeks we've had in a better mood though so that's all right yeah yeah you're feeling feeling fairly good yeah yeah fairly good yeah um yeah that's cool that's cool um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm definitely not gonna do the joseph thing for another few for another few years i think i think i think that's that's i think that's definitely behind us at this stage it's good to hear it's good to hear let's not talk about joseph let's let's just move on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, so AEW Fighter Fest, um, you've had a chance to watch it. Um, yeah, what have been your thoughts on it? Let's let's talk presentation. Let's talk premise. Let's talk everything that kind of covers that initial blech that is the show. Um, they're clearly getting the production sorted out from. The last show is much better. It's much cleaner. Mm. Angles make sense. Um, 
Yeah, Double or Nothing um, was kind of criticised early on. Um, that was their show in Las Vegas um, towards the end of May. Um, it got criticised for um, the camera angles early on. Um, it was seen to be quite, quite cut heavy, a little bit too um, early, early two thousand and tens WWE, and how how excessive some of the um, some of the motion was in regards to all of that. Um, and that definitely, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. That seems to have been kind of worked out. Yeah, seems to be flowing quite nicely. Yeah, um, the production value itself, um, the actual quality of the cameras in play, um, the technical aspects of it, um, would you say that it's now already at the stage kind of just above, well, above other indie promotions at this stage? Where would you kind of rate it if you had to say the look and feel of it? Um, the look and feel of it, um, I would say is probably the top in promotion. I mean, ROH is still a bit gritty. Uh, even Progress is quite gritty. Um, but this was yeah. Progress yeah. Progress does have that kind of um, grassroots like, feel to it. Doesn't I like it? About Progress though. So yeah, I think that adds an element to Progress. Um, certainly makes it feel very kind of British and very kind of homegrown. Um, but certainly. I think if you put in production values kind of on a scale, um, this is definitely level with New Japan Pro Wrestling at this stage in regards to just bubbling under the production values of WWE. Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly. You can say in America they are the second best production value. Obviously, WWE have had years of experience in doing that. But mm. saying that, I'm sure they'll. Get there pretty quickly as their wrestling is already ten thousand times better than WWE. Yeah, I mean the wrestling's absolutely incredible. Um, Not so much the pre-show. Really. I thought it was complete trash, but the main show was great. <laughs> well, um, let's let's talk pre-show first of all. Um, so pre-show, yeah, you got the best friends um, versus SoCal Uncensored and Private Party. Um, that was the, on the AEW buying show, of course. Um, yeah, there was. I like this match. I thought it was probably the strongest on the pre-show. Probably was, um, but it still didn't stop me fast-forwarding it. I I think I think you missed an okay match, um, and certainly I was incredibly impressed by um, by the private party. Okay. Um, I think that they have excellent chemistry with the audience. Um, really, really well put together um, in regards to them. So Callum Censored is definitely just so Callum Censored and best friends are as meme-worthy as they ever were. Um, so generally a bit fun, but you couldn't have put that on the main card and had it stand toe-to-toe with any other match on there. Um, oh, no, definitely not. No. For me, it was definitely it was definitely a three-starer. Um, but at the same time, um, if I were to switch on a weekly show like Wednesday Night Dynamite or something like that um, come October the 2nd and that was one of the opening matches to it, I wouldn't feel disappointed for my money. I wouldn't feel it was the most ama- it wouldn't change my life. Um, there are a few criticisms that can be leveled at it. Um, the RKO um is becoming the new super kick 
in regards to um, the move that is constantly being broken out um, by kind of the the middle card. It's becoming a very transitional piece at this stage, especially on the indie scene where it's where it's the popular move of many different people. And I think that's yeah, and it, it comes in many different forms as well. Hmm. I mean, it's it's a move that's. It's a move that's good, but there seems to be an over-reliance on it because it will always get a pop. I think it's an exciting move for a, for an audience to watch. Um, it can come out of nowhere. It can have a varying level of impact because it's still a protected move, but only to a degree. But and certainly, be a game changer. And it can be a game changer, but I do feel that it is it it is becoming quite prevalent in matches like this. Um, yeah. Like the DDT, it was okay. the super kick. No, the cutter. What's going to be mm. next? What is going to be next? Um, Sister Abigail. Well, that's already happening, Abigail's I think. Kiss. But then yeah, different variations of that as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, we got to see Super Smash Bros, or as they are now known, the Dark Order. Um they spoke after this. Um, this is the best friends. They won. We got a lights out moment, um, which seems to be making a comeback um, on on the indie scene at the moment. Um, a lot of lights out mo- light out moments are happening um, nowadays. Um, the Dark Order are, of course, what are these guys' actual name? Like, I mean, I know they're known as Super Smash Bros. Do they actually have like Real Uno and names. Dos? <laughs> yeah, I think they do have real names. Um, can't quite get to those now. I'm one of retarded. Can you access anything? Um, let's have a look. See if the console tells me anything. Um, definitely a console. Um, let's have a look. Um, the the dark order wrestling. It's good that I um, bought my. Uh, I thought to bring my um, keyboard with me, isn't it? That's really, really a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, really, really quite something. Um, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson makes sense. Are their individual names? Yeah. Um, is Evil so, Uno his real name? I would imagine he changed it by default. <laughs> okay. Um, <All> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's all I could imagine. Um, the audience fell a bit flat for this for me, um, and I fell a bit flat as well. I'm not that excited about Evil Uno and what's it, Grayson? It feels way too gimmicky. Um, yeah, they need to do a little threat. bit more than lights out minions. Lights out minions are gone. It's like oh, we've got all the power that we can attack you anytime we want, kind of thing. But yeah, yeah I kind of get that, but. I think there's more that can be done other than that. Um, yeah, d- d- dud. That angle is dead on arrival, um, partly because of their initial intro at Double or Nothing. Um, yeah. Should we move on? Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> librarians. Don't care about librarians. Pardon me. Um, librarians, another dud gimmick. Don't like um, it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I, Even somewhere in the crowd chat without <laughs> rubbish gimmick. Or something this, like your that. gimmick, your gimmick is stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, don't know, I feel I feel a bit sorry for Lever Bates um, in regards to having this gimmick, and 
to be honest, it seems like the gimmick itself is a little bit patronizing as a whole. Um, the heal librarian to... gimmick. It's... I don't know. If this is a way of them needling WWE's kind of the genius and, you know, D- the Dean, Dean Douglas, and, you know, all of those kind of gimmicks that were popular in the late, in the, in the late kind of... I, I don't think it is it's yeah it's well the mid 90s um but yeah so but areas like that like some things if do this need to is be left what, alone and i think this is definitely the type of gimmicks that need to be left alone yeah if this is the if this is that if this is what they're going for then they need to let us in on the joke very very fucking soon because otherwise this is just putting it slapping a gimmick on somebody that would have buried them in wwe in the early 90s it all started on being in the elite, didn't it? Between Cody and Bucks. Arguing who yeah, was I going mean, to be the librarian. I think we touched on that last time. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But at some point, there has to be a payoff other than we end up with two shit librarians. And a gimmick that no one wants to watch. Well. Just my thoughts. Yeah, um, yeah. Regardless. Um, Lava Bates, she she did a good job of getting booze, but it's hard to tell whether it's X Pac heat or genetic or real heat. It was your standard kind of get off. It was your standard get kind of now. heel payoff. Yeah, but let's yeah. talk about it Ali just... for a second. I mean, what's this gimmick Ali. about? So Ali just appears to be really, really happy to be here. Um, yeah, but not in a um, not in a way that's similar to what's his name um you know the guy who's just happy to be there apollo cruz it's not one of those she's just super super happy um i mean her technique in the ring is absolutely awesome and she did not pull anything (laughs) for me like it was terrible i did hmm. not enjoy her performance in the slightest yeah i mean i think there's there is something coming from that i mean obviously she's she's ali um she's very kind of bright and bubbly yeah are you getting that yeah no that, that's just ali that's just what she is but it's really over exaggerated this time um yeah um unless... i think like the long-term storyline for that would most likely be to um go back to her um go back to a supernatural alter ego dark alley yeah um which is a terrible pun i mean could they really pull out someone else's storyline well this is the thing if they if they want to compete with wwe surely they have to take everyone else's storylines and make them their own (laughs) i guess so i mean evil evil (laughs) alley evil bunny is great but you need yeah. the rest of that cast to pull that off. Yeah, of course. So you, you need um, um, I've forgotten her name now. What is going on? I can see them in uh, my head. It's the time vortex. It does that to people. Um, Rosemary, Sue Young. That is the ones. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Without Rosemary or, or Sue Young, it's going to be difficult for her to be that evil, I think. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, maybe they've got another evil character coming, or maybe two waiting in the wings in the form of the Super Smash Bros. Um, you know, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I think, yeah, dud, move on. Um, yep. Michael Naka Naka Nakazawa um, and Alex Jabaley. That Hulk wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember that you're looking at somebody who is the CEO of a gaming company. This was mostly to um, obviously draw eyes to the product from um, from the actual people who were at the convention for the fighting. Um, yeah, I mean... For the fighting games. Fighter Fest was a free event at CEO. Yeah. Um, really, really good idea for them to do it that way. Um, and I think... Chris Jericho did they... not think that was a good idea. <laughs> Mm, that's to be fair I think there's also a storyline kayfabe element yeah, in regards to that as well because second. obviously uh, yeah I think that's the only way that I can possibly think uh, um, the only kind of thing that they were going for but no I he put on something alright there and the match kind of was just about to enter that they're about to really start doing damage to each other mark when it when it kind of ended which is understandable considering it was a non-wrestler but yeah this this was kind of the end of the this was kind of the end of putting the event over for me and from this point onwards it became it became the proper AEW putting themselves over kind of event after this and that's good like it didn't feel like it was too tied in after this point so that's fine but yeah, not particularly going to go out of my way and force all my mates to watch it. So you agree with me that it was actually trash? Um, it was it was incredibly disposable. Yeah, <laughs> really disposable. Um, it was it was the kind of thing that if WWE were doing this um, or anyone else, they wouldn't have allowed it on TV. They would have most likely held this as a dark match before the actual event itself to kick off proceedings, um, and then not allowed it to necessarily um, flavor their product. If that yeah, makes but sense. remember their product isn't that great at the moment, so that probably would have made the main show. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, that's fair. Actually, yeah, <laughs> fuck it, you can make that headline like, you know, tables, ladders, and chairs. Yeah. Oh, oh probably my. be better than what we get yeah um <clears throat> so buy-in you're not a massive fan of it um not do you feel that really. the double or nothing buy-in was better um i trashed that as well i said <laughs> that all the promos sucked um the promo on the stage sucked didn't enjoy the matches so yeah no i don't i don't really like their pre-shows it, it would seem um, what what are your thoughts on WWE's pre-shows in comparison? Because, I mean, they're the only other game in town that are doing pre-shows, barring that one Hello Wembley one that Progress Wrestling, the um, British feeder to NXT UK did. Um, um, I mean, is it is it that you don't like their pre-shows, or is it that you're just not a massive fan of pre-shows? Um, I will say I did like the fact they had three matches on their pre-shows, on their pre-show this yeah. time. Um, that was great they just need to be better quality um wwe pre-shows are just basically putting themselves over asking people to buy things and then having a match so 
Yeah, and very often that match is um, is usually the same match you've seen on previous pre-shows. Um, possibly a tag team match featuring um, the SmackDown champions if they're lucky enough to get in the arena, because I know the Raw ones very rarely do. Um, and if not that, then a Cruiserweight match, which steals the rest of the show, um, as it has been known to um, recently. So yeah, no, I get it. Um yeah, all in all, I do like the way that the pre-shows end. Um, I like the um, Jim Ross um, march and his music playing. I feel that that kind of that's a very nice tradition, and they need to keep that up. Not just because it puts Jim Ross over, but more it kind of makes it feel very, very special, um, and kind of like okay, now it's time for the serious action. Yeah, put your experimental stuff, your comedy stuff. Um, and the gimmicks that you're not quite sure if they're going to work on the pre-show, I I understand why you do that. It's not amazing that um, you know the bar can be so low so sometimes, but at the same time, could be worse. Could be WWE pre-show. You are right. Yeah. Um, at no point did anybody remind me that the network is just nine ninety nine, and you get your first thirty days free. Not so, yet. There is that. <laughs> Give it a few years. <laughs> that's true that's true um although their, their model um their model revenue wise going into this seems to be um very much focused on television and pay-per-view doesn't it um yeah do you they're think not bothered about the doing right house shows um so yeah i think that's what brought a lot of the independent um wrestlers over to that company is they went house on the road constantly and they can do the dates they can take a break if they need to because they've still got the cash coming in from their contract I suppose my bigger concern and my bigger question or my bigger fear would be um, what does this mean in regards to their over-the-top offering, like, for instance, a network or similar, just before we go on to the main show? Um, it, it wouldn't hurt it because you don't really get but that many house shows on WWE could Network. Could there potentially even be one, I suppose is what I'm asking. Yeah, obviously they would have to get a few years behind them before they can start going oh yeah we've now got this network we're going we're gonna to charge you X amount of money but um, yeah I suppose although if they want, to, if they they want to make a little bit more money on the side then I guess it would be a good idea for them to, to yeah. have one at some point yeah I mean the reach of them I mean they've gone for lowest common de denominator when it goes for the scale of their reach um, particularly in the UK um, where they've got the um, where they've got the, the deal with um, ITV so that's quite interesting um, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't actually see an AEW network springing forth um, for at least two years I think you're about right there um, before we do go on to the main show, one thing I do want to mention is <clears throat> just crossing enemy lines here ourselves. Um, WWE um, have this week announced in regards to their BT deal after understanding that their reach is much lower um, than it would be on Sky Sports, have talked about a terrestrial-based um, one-hour show. Um, which will be free to air. It won't be on any premium services that will be like this week in WWE for British television. Are you aware of this? I am not aware of this. Don't Apparently this is help. something that... V 
it's something that Vince McMahon is considering. I, I feel that were they to do that, they would need to plug and advertise the value of the network quite substantially in order for it to have any form of influence. Um, and I've, and in order to do that, they would need to make sure that they focused heavily on the NXT property because WWE itself, its name is in the dirt at the moment, um, as far as I'm concerned. With all that blood money. All of that. All blood. that all filthy, that filthy blood, blood money. money. Yeah. Mm. Moving forward, um, Christopher Daniels and Seema open up the show. Um, obviously, we do get, we don't get our usual um, the elite um, on the stage talking about how you know they're so grateful that they've got to this stage, and I think that's this. fine. Very Doesn't happy. need to happen. Um, I get it for something like Double or Nothing, um, which this week, um, which this week the Young Bucks have said um, they are expecting to be one of their cornerstone annual events. Um, so Double or Nothing will probably happen next year, maybe with All In and All Out um, kind of amalgamating into one show that they do yearly. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, they did also go on to say. Um, what they learned as well um, in regards to um, Double or Nothing. Um, Nick went on to say, we watched the whole show back to see what didn't go good and what we did do good. Um, I watched it about three times. Then we tried to learn from the mistakes we made and we went from there. Matt continued, some of the time cues were different. Some of the in-between transitions, um, when to go to on the desk, just boring stuff like that. When to shoot pre-tapes and how to shoot them, stuff like that. We're learning all the basic elementary stuff at this stage. I didn't know anything about lighting until a couple of months ago. Um, and certainly with how they present the show from here on out, I feel that, you know, they're, do they're not doing too bad. I mean, I understand that they've got a lighting team and, you know, a camera team and their production crew is obviously some of the best that money can buy, considering that Tony Khan's behind, um, behind it with his giant wallet of less blood money, less bloody money. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I mean, there's no way that someone gets that rich and it'd be clean, is there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with less, less, very less, <laughs> much less bloody money. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, what we do know is that he hasn't actively got involved with a murderous regime in order for them to compromise his product while they, while he bumps out propaganda. So that puts him above Vince McMahon at this stage. Um, Seema and Christopher Daniels, <laughs> let's go into this. Uh, solid match actually bell to bell um, mm. I've not seen Christopher Daniels actually wrestle a match, uh, in a singles match in quite a long time he's definitely slowed down his style um, quite a bit but that still works yeah. for him as he does like to call himself the ring general so yeah that does make sense yeah, I mean, I saw him. Um, I saw him at WCPW um, back in 2016 live, and I had noted that he had slowed down his style quite a bit. I think it's probably clever for him to be involved with SCU because they're very kind of agile people as a whole. Um, I mean, he can still go, but it's good to be able to have that breather usually. But all in all, he's still he's still a 20 year veteran. There is still that amazing technique that accompanies Christopher Daniels that just bleeds quality and it was certainly on show in this match we got to see what he could do um, against against his former partner Seema um, of course you're aware of their their coupling when he was doing his Curryman gimmick that is correct I am aware of this 
Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so any thoughts on this? Um, any, yeah, any further that, I mean, thoughts? with this match, it, it was basically um, a story where obviously Christopher Downs is going after Seema's back. And obviously, he had to get come over the onslaught of that, which he obviously did. Um, yeah. yeah. With an air raid crash and a meteor double knees to finish the match. Yeah, I like the pace of this match. I really like the fact that, I mean, for me, it was just giving Seymour a chance to kind of show that he could still tell. He could still tell the story in that kind of made-for-TV southern style that Christopher, Christopher Daniels... Um, has been a master of in between his high flying malarkey. Um, would you say that that's fair? This kind of a sh- showcase for him. Yeah, it definitely, definitely was. It definitely lets fans know who he is now because everyone knows Christopher Daniels at this point um, with him wrestling mm. in America for such a long time. So yeah, that, that yeah. really lets the leader of the Strong Hearts bring out his talent within this match. Yeah, I mean, my my concern with um, with Seema being from where he's from, obviously he's from OWE. Um, my my concern was that he wouldn't necessarily be that au fait with the modern American storytelling foundation. Um, you know how to how to tell that story, how to communicate it to a Western audience. Sometimes you do see that trouble um, when people transition um, from New Japan Pro Wrestling to say NXT or similar. Um, yeah, but he nailed it. He absolutely fucking nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, my concerns were very much unfounded, and I think this was a way of him proving to the um, core audience that he he could go. He he really can go. And put on a put on a great story. You could have this on the on the upper mid card easily. It was it was great great match. Mm. Um, yeah, very much so. But the upper mid card was so very strong. Um, it was. I mean, moving on to um, oh, do you got a star rating for this? Should we star rate this? Are we star rating it? What kind of star rating are we doing? We're not doing Meltzer anymore. I'm okay. done with Meltzer. It's just out of five. Um, yeah, I think you can do. I think you can do a six if you have to. In fact, yeah, no, this is the just eat scale. Um, for those of you not from the UK, just eat is a delivery service where you can deliver many different pieces of food. <laughs> they do not sponsor us, so I don't know why I'm advertising it to you. But they have a six star rating system. Six star um, rating. Did yes, they deliver so, a good service? <laughs> What's the food well, on time. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So I must ask, did Seema and Christopher Daniels deliver a good service? <laughs> um, I would say that they did deliver a good service um, with their storytelling. And obviously their capability is top notch. So, yeah, you give that a five. A five out of six. Yeah cool just so that no one gets confused there um awesome i'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of six i obviously enjoyed this match more than you (laughs) i did enjoy the match but my kebab was cold and the delivery driver swore at me right riho yuka yeah i know what a prick also i when it says mint sauce you expect mints you expect mint yogurt on a kebab not just coleman's (laughs) <laughs> just saying yeah mix it into the to the mayonnaise be alright 
I, I, I expected it to be. <laughs> Let's move on. This this is definitely a, a point of contention in my life. Um, speaking of things that are unexpected, um, Yuka Sakazaki, Riho, and Nyla Rose in a three-way match. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with these guys because you've had your head in the sand, um, Yuka Sakazaki and Riho are from the Japanese um, the Japanese contingent and Kenny Omega's Kenny Omega's kind of wrestling experiment I suppose would you call it I think that would be the correct terminology yeah experiment yeah I mean you take you take um, what is a culture of um, kind of very attractive looking Japanese wrestling ladies um who are kind of seen as light entertainment when it comes to female wrestling in japan um with some very kind of j-pop sensibilities um j-pop like anime characters with genie pants and all the rest and you know backstories and all of that put them in american ring and put them against the brick wall known as nyla rose this was quite a quite a good one was it not yeah it definitely was i mean it started out as a oh i'm the biggest one here so you must both attack me wwe style yeah but that quickly changed into something where everyone was equal and it was fantastic yeah it was a really good piece of storytelling it was that immediate kind of nyla rose and the impact that nyla rose legitimately has with girls of that size um these um riho and yuka kind of teaming up with each other as the match um as the match continued and then continuously betraying each other when the opportunity arose um, in an almost eager and childlike way, um, which is obviously respectful to their characters and how they're, how they're portrayed. And I'm going to be honest. I was, I was watching it. um, I was looking, I was um, because obviously you're aware that I, um, that I left the TARDIS at one point the retardis and um you know just kind of went off and did a thing i was actually looking after um some elderly relatives dogs um and they were just walking out the door and i was watching this match and they stopped and watched the whole thing and they're not wrestling fans they were thoroughly entertained by this and that's that saying something testament to their ability well yeah no, I was. I, yeah, no, I absolutely have to rate this one of the best three-way women's matches I've seen in a long time. I don't know whether you agree with that. No, 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 I completely agree. It is some of the best mm. women's wrestling I have seen ever. Mm. So yeah, do you want to do you want to break it all down? Um, or yeah, no, I've got a, a few nice bits here. Summary for our audience. I mean, with the commentary, I did notice that JL was stumbling on his words quite a bit. Other com- other um, commentators were clearly taking the piss out of JR, being sarcastic back and forth with each other, but leaving him out. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel I'd that. But point that out. Oh, okay. I, I didn't notice that, but I wasn't really necessarily listening. I was, I was absolutely transfixed. Um, there was a section where uh, Rose takes out uh, Yucca uh, with a nasty knee uh, to the head as she was draped over the top rope. Yeah, it looked really good. Yeah, no, that was absolutely awesome. I mean, this match was um, about neutralizing the bigger wrestler. Um, but as the match went on, 
um, everyone was on the same level, just as different um, attributes. Um, yeah, I mean, you had um, you had the kind of Nyla Rose is just quite a phenomenon to watch. Um, Yuka has um, some incredibly impactful kind of high flying stuff, and Riho really is the kind of all rounder of the girl her size. She can she can move, she can she can dance, um, and she can <laughs> she can move, she can dance, she can do a handstand yeah. if she wanted to. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. To say, she, <laughs> yeah, she's total package, total package. Do a bit of a backflip into an over drop. That didn't happen, but she would probably do it. Yeah, she probably could. She probably could. Um, yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, at the end, bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, Yoka picks up the win with a surprise roll-up on Rose. Yep, um, it felt really... Um, I didn't feel it needed a big finish. Like, a lot of matches now in the modern American style kind of go to false finish, to false finish, to people kind of interrupting counts and all of that. This didn't need that, you know. It was all about grabbing that opportunity, you know, in order to make this as, as legitimate a victory as it possibly could. Riho just took it with a with a schoolgirl roll-up. I noticed, well, I wouldn't say it was a schoolgirl roll-up. Uh, the roller came. Not? No, it was like she was facing her and rolled us through um, oh, the back yeah. and yeah. flipped over a little bit and then just held her down, which is quite surprising because obviously she's a bigger uh, competitor, but obviously she picked up the three count with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, uh, yeah. It might be impossible to get true heel heat in this company because the fans were popping for Nyla Rose. Um, and I can't blame them for it. Um, Riho, Sakazaki, absolutely great chemistry together. Um, WWE is probably, um, probably trying to get their grips stronger around the Kabuki Warriors as they go at this stage. Because, yeah, this is this was just great. Um, where are you putting this on your on your on our on our not sponsored by Just Eat six star scale? I'm throwing out another five for this one. I'm gonna give it a five. How many? How many five. I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely the better. The best, the probably the best women's match I've seen this year. Um, and we'll probably I find continue... that the pet project of Kenny Omega is going to be better than Brandy Rose's image of the women's division. I would assume that wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, I was. I continue to be impressed by Nyla Rose, um, and absolutely cannot w- wait to see her. The man beast. Um, um, don't think you can say that. That is what she's called. Okay, then you can. Um, <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. <laughs> That's her name. She calls herself the Man Beast. I mean, okay. I'm sure we can I, say I it. I genuinely, genuinely didn't know that. Um, I am going to check this with our legal team at some point. I reckon it's <laughs> going to be fine, Rich. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, so... Hangman Adam Page... MJF, 
Havoc, Jungle Boy, Four Way Dance, Thoughts. It was good. <laughs> Let's start with MJF. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, the room continued to have. Um, well, they both sat down at this point. Um, my two non-wrestling fans who were sat with me just before going to babysit um, their grandchild. Um, yeah, they they were sat at this point watching MJF come down the aisle and he got such heel heat. They hated him and were still laughing at what he said. They got it. Brilliant. And I think it might be the first time they've ever in their lives understood why a great heel is so great. But MJF, yeah. How just, was he wrestling for now? Like, what, four years? Four years, but he's one of the most charismatic men in wrestling outside of a retardist. Um, I would definitely say that much. So yeah, I've been watching um, MJF for about seven months now. I've even listened to his podcast with um, Steve Austin yeah. and that. It's a good podcast. If you haven't listened to it, check it I out. I will go out my way for it. Um because some of it's in character and some of it's some of it's not. So yeah, there's a quite good contrast between that. Um, but yeah, um, MJF. Uh, I've been saying it ever since I've seen him. He's going to be big. He is definitely going to end up with say a mid card title if they introduce one very soon. If not, they need to put him into the main event scene pretty quickly. Yeah, um, I mean, as it stands, I don't think we're going to see a mid card title until TV. And I understand that. Um, I think we may see a woman's title before TV, um, i.e. all out, but I can't see him entering that for a while. I'm I'm expecting though I'm expecting though him getting a TV or mid card title. Um possibly kind of losing that after a fairly long run, possibly six months to kind of nine months, and then expecting him to kind of explore deathmatch um that would be my thoughts ccw has been their champion so he, he can do it so yeah and i think um i think the thing is though when you come in with this strong this strong a reaction to your heel work you don't need to put all your cards on the table immediately well, it's just um, I'm like i've not even said anything yet <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and everyone's booing him it's brilliant yeah um yeah it's really 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 quite something um jim ross obviously mentioned that he reminds him of paul Heyman, um and you can see the comparison to be fair yeah the way, i mean the way he talks to the crowd you can definitely get that feel when paul Heyman picks up a mic um or even when he's just talking as a talking head on a documentary you listen you know that man yep. that man every word that comes out of that man's mouth is money and that's something that MJF understands very, very much so as well. Jimmy Havoc um, was also a competitor in this match. Jimmy Havoc, thoughts on where he's at at the moment? Um, for those of you unfamiliar, Jimmy Havoc is Progress Wrestling's um, longest reigning champion. Um, he has, he is a veteran on the indie scene of well over. Um, 10 years at this stage I believe um, although the main thrust of his career has been since 2012 where he was one of the mainstay deathmatch fighters um, all the way from back 
at Progress Wrestling Chapter 2 um, when he faced Will Ospreay, a series that continued on um, for five years and is one of the greatest deathmatch series of all time. Um, yeah, Jimmy Havoc, where are you with him? Um, with this product, they need to start putting him in singles matches. It's great they're trying to introduce him with these multi-man matches, but they're not really getting to see what he can actually do. I felt he was lo- he was lost in the shuffle with with this match. Mm. Um, it almost seems like they missed a trick um, placing him in this match rather than Darby Allen um, and swapping out Cody Rose for him. But maybe that's something that you might want to you might want to wait for a bit more build to to give that give that kind of big money match. Would you say that that's probably the case? I mean, Jimmy Havoc can Jimmy Havoc Jimmy can, Havoc can go, works. but you'd think he'd be able to showcase his abilities better in a in a multi man match than what's being perceived. He seemed to be on the floor a lot more than he was wrestling. Well, I mean, when you've got a name like Jimmy Havoc, you can you can leave him on the cooler for a while, especially if you've got to showcase lesser known names. MJF, obviously, um, being someone who definitely needs to be showcased. Um, Jungle Boy obviously has this um, has this um, kind of perception that needs to needs to have some focus on teaming him up with Luchasaurus as they have been doing on the Indies is probably a good idea as well. Um, I mean, in this instance, Luchasaurus was sorry. Go on. I was going to say I had no idea who Jungle Boy was until now, and this guy can actually go, and he yeah. got to showcase his abilities in this match. Definitely, um, which is why I think that someone like Jimmy Havoc, whose name kind of precedes him, um, you know, he has had international exposure on the WWE network amongst other places um, with his um, with his appearance on the um, UK um, UK NXT special, um, the pilot with Jim Ross commentating. Um, so he has had that exposure, and it just feels to me that a lot of people know Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, MJF. Um, Maybe not so much so. Adam Page. Oh, go on, go on. Everyone knows MJF, and that's why they're booing him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He got the um, biggest reaction. But, but, I mean, MJF is red hot right now. He is the most talked about person who wasn't in a main event at the last two shows. Um, within the AEW kind of sphere. You don't take somebody who literally walks into a room, um, only appears in two multi-man matches and one angle and automatically puts himself just bubbling under the upper card you know you can't you can't cool down on that at this stage um so it's understandable for me at least why havoc would play a kind of background role in a match like this he's the veteran he can do it yeah i get to see where you're coming from but i would have liked to see him be involved a lot more than he was so would I, definitely. But I'm I'm pretty sure, considering what comes later on um, with Joey Janela and John Moxley, I think there's definitely a place for him to showcase his work in AEW. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Hangman Adam Page comes down to a absolute raucous, raucous load of love from the fans. Um, yeah, where are you on that? Uh, just picking up where you left off in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, um, I, I think I touched on this last time. Um, so yeah, you was you was getting red hot in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And all of a sudden, this AEW thing happened. They all left. 
Um, obviously, he's been on the caller, um, not really wrestling that much. Seems to be injured at the mm. moment, though. Um, but yeah, he is a much solid wrestler. Um, I mean, it's better than being the foreman for the elite, isn't it? So, yeah, of course. Um, I think it's for me. It's important that Adam Page kind of stays distance gimmick-wise from the elite. Yeah. Um, I don't think he. I don't think he should be there. Um, I think he. I think he needs to be his own guy now. Um, he was good in Bullet Club. He was best in Bullet Club as he was breaking away from the elite and just, just doing his own thing outside of the Bullet Club as a, as a whole. And I really like how they've marketed him so far. I think. Um, I think he does come across as that kind of lone ranger who will fight for his own brand of justice, no matter whether that puts him on the white. Um, no matter whether that puts him in a dark hat or a white hat. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but we'll, we'll see, won't we, when when it comes to facing Jericho, if he can actually perform on the big stage of the main event. Jericho can make Goldberg look like a million bucks. But then we have seen Adam Page in a main event before uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and that was a fantastic match. Um, which match was this? Just, you know, reminding me. Reminding you, yeah, it was Adam Page against, was it Koda? Koda? Okay, yeah. I believe that um, happened. And I, believe I do remember awesome. that happening. Um, I... I I'm going to just type it in to my console here on the Retardis. Um, Okada. Okada. Adam Page. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Um, so, yeah, that was um, day five, block A of the um, 2018 G1 climax. Um, that was considered a five star match. Um, pretty much out the gate, and yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to give that a go. Um, but he got plenty of heat on the back of that as well. Um, the news was going crazy for him. He was he was red hot during that um, during that entire tournament. He put in a really good showing at G1, I believe. Um, so yeah, um, really think that he's on the up. Um, let's let's talk about the match before um, we just. You know, go crazy for Adam Page for a little while. On I don't know. I'm not too high on him at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see what he can do against Jericho. Fair play. But yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what I've got here is there was a Tower of Doom. Yep. One was awesome. We got the Heat Seeker um, Power Driver, which was performed by MJF on Adam Age. I quite like this Power Driver when it's done properly. <laughs> yeah. Um, not flubbed as it was in NXT, but they had just gone through a war, basically. So, yeah, misstep here and there, I guess. Um, yeah. That crazy parkour move from Jungle Boy on the outside where he... Landed directly on his head. That one, yeah, where he balanced himself and then flipped out into a somersault. I'm sure it was it was fine. I don't think he landed on his head. I think everyone mm. everyone caught him, right? Um, maybe. 
<laughs> certainly looked a little bit painful um i will mention that i did like um the section where um they were all doing planches and runs um and then we got mjf in the ring and he went for um a similar kind of move and then kind of bounced off the rope Brilliant. and yeah did it did a fuck you to the fans kind of gesture yeah no, that um, was brilliant which just, just adds to his yeah. heel persona as to his all, i'm not doing this i'm not i'm not jumping over a rope for you guys i'm not putting myself in danger for you guys i've, I've got the skill so yeah no really enjoyed most of this match um in fact all of it um not gonna lie and then the acid rainmaker reversed to an eye poke by mjf just to add a little bit more of that cocky heel in yeah. your face um i think I think that the only thing that frustrated me about that was certainly um, for us as Jimmy Havoc fans, um, you know, that that really puts over MJF. Um, however, for somebody who may be a casual viewer, not necessarily know, um, know Jimmy Havoc like we know Jimmy Havoc as, as fans like we are, we might see it as just kind of diminishing his special move that it can be blocked by poking the eye. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I get what I mean, you mean, but if it, you've never seen if you've never seen Jimmy have it before, but have seen a Carter, yeah, you would think no one would ever block a real rainmaker with an eye poke with a poke in the eye. Yeah. yeah. But it does add to his character quite well, and goes back to me talking about how Jimmy Havoc didn't get a good showing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I don't know. I think Jimmy Havoc's time will come, um, and I think I really now, hope it does. The name, the name precedes him, um, and that's fine. He can. He, uh, we're only two shows in to this company. At the end of the day, um, where would you? Um, well, obviously. Um, Hangman page one, a little bit predictable. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be fighting for the championship. He can't lose now, can he? No, of course. Um, what were your thoughts overall on the match? Um, it was really put together, very well put together. Uh, there was obviously three competitors that had more uh, wrestling time than Havoc. I will keep touching on that, but it was well put together. Uh, the timing and everything was perfect. Um, you really can't. I have no faults with this match apart from. Jimmy Havoc not wrestling more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, moving forward, we get the main events. Um, before we go into that, we are going to take a short break. Um, that will be when JFPN's coverage continues, um, as does this Snarflergian life. Um, stay with us. Unless you had something to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> MJF. Oh, sorry. It seems like they're setting up an MJF Adam Page rivalry um, coming out of it as well. Oh. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's clearly obvious. You're going to want to put someone like MJF against, against Adam Page, and that makes perfect sense. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that. I would love to see these two together um, and think they're really going to be quite something next to each other so yeah all right excited ex excited awesome. <laughs> um what what rating did you give this this one i'm also putting it as a five <laughs> surprise surprise oh wow <laughs> wow 
it's just like Dave Meltzer at the Tokyo Dome all over again. I am going to give this. I am going to give this a four point seven five. Where does the seven point five come from? No, four point seven five. Where does the point seven five come from? Sorry. Um, in that it was. In that it was better than the match that I rated as 4.5, but not quite as good as the match that I rated a 5. Excellent. <laughs> this is going to be great fun to keep track of. I'm glad we've picked such a simple, simple method um, once again. Um, yeah, if you want to tell us what kind of rating system you would like to see um, on our show, you can always get in touch with us at jfabe podcast that's on twitter um we also have a um message box anchor.fm forward slash jfabe um in loving memory of a very dear friend um it is called jfabe of course um may may god rest his soul don't you agree jay no no not at all Cool. Um, we'll be back <laughs> after these short messages. Um, this Snarflogian life continues. Stay with us. We are back here on this Snarflogian life and also, of course, JFPN's AEW Fighter Fest podcast. Um, yeah, next match Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin in a battle um, that quite quite a quite a match this jay what are your thoughts um just to kind of bring it in i mean let's start with the promo to start it off really really well staged really enjoyed the promo at the start of this match yeah it really helps at the tone of the match yeah i mean you're looking at um cody rhodes very much um kind of talking about his achievements as darby allen flashes on um, and off the screen in that kind of weird Blair Witch style, um, really quite, um, really quite something. Good to see Darby Allen also play um, something closer akin to a heel um, in this match, or at least a kind of tweener, um, as in um, Progress Wrestling. He's not quite as intimidating as he was playing here, not quite as spooky, not quite as um, cynical. Cynical, yes, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, what on the match as a whole, or um, just, just in, in general, general, mate? Um, to start us just off, paint a, paint a picture. You wordsmith, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, 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 Rich. Um, so yeah, you've got Cody Rhodes, obviously top of the company, kind of like a vice president, executive vice president of the company, against yeah. a newcomer in Darby Allen, who is out to make a point. Yeah. And looking to get a victory over him and give him his first loss within the company. Yeah. Um, fairly, fairly good story. Everybody knows who Cody Rhodes is at this point. If they're watching All Elite Wrestling, why the fuck wouldn't they know who Cody Rhodes is? Um, obviously, Darby Allen gets um, a bit more of an introduction through the commentary team, who make sure to tell the story about the car accident when he was um, five years old because his dad was driving under the influence. Um, just to add a bit 
of bleakness to his gimmick. Um, I am assuming, and I hope to God this is a shoot story, um, because doing that as a work story probably won't play too well in 2019 if that comes out, but I've got no reason to believe that it wouldn't be, considering how well publicised he is in both the skateboarding world as well as the wrestling world. Got his hands in, in many pots, as they say. Yep, they say that. That is a thing people definitely <laughs> say. Um, his hands Excellent. in many pots. <laughs> 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 um, so he comes to the ring holding a body bag um, it has Cody 1 and 1 written um, on it in a, in a manner similar to the Undertaker's streak style 1 and 1 um, it was pretty common in most, most sports to be fair but um, certainly felt relatively early Undertaker him coming to the ring with a body bag um, you may remember that was a gimmick that the Undertaker held for exactly three matches before they realised it was complete and utter bullshit um, thoughts on the body bag? Well, well, I would like to see where it goes. Are they just using it for this match, or are they going to use it throughout <clears throat> the rest of his matches for a while to see where it goes, to see if it actually works for his gimmick um, going forward? Mm. But I don't know. I quite like it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I it, it was a bit of an edge. It was a good kind of. It was a good kind of visual visual story to tell um in this instance um i mean the the overall gimmick when the undertaker and why it probably failed with the undertaker was that he'd come down pin his opponent and then place them in the body bag while they lay asleep um and then drag them back um which you know genuinely it felt a bit hokey but we are talking early 90s in this instance I don't think there's really any kind of association with that so it felt certainly unique in this circumstance and um, it's only really my vast canon of wrestling knowledge which is allowing me to remember this so probably to the casual viewer it just looked like a pretty cool pretty cool little gimmick it's never been seen before but it has hmm. crazy so they were talking about um the so kayfabe cody was asked to not not stake this match because um, alan is unstable which it which also gives him an edge as someone who will go to any means to win a match yeah um i mean non-kayfabe um i i kind of like to read forbes's um kind of commentary as i as i kind of do these shows just because it gives me an idea as kind of the mainstream opinion of stuff um and the person in who wrote this article um states that he believes cody handpicked darby allen because allen is one of the few wrestlers who makes cody look like a complete giant in comparison <laughs> would you say that that's fair <laughs> yeah he did look a lot smaller against cody he, he um, certainly did but he also made Cody look really, really good at yeah. the same time. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to fall um, and flop around the ring and just generally be brutalized by someone. Um, it looks like the general the general appeal of Darby Allen at the moment, at least, um, as far as AEW are plugging it, is that you should stay tuned because tonight is the night he might die um, because Cody definitely brutalized him throughout that. Um JR. 
building the Alan character. Um, really enjoyed his yeah, commentary, no. did you? Or... Well, I did, I did, yeah. I, I spotted that. Um, it's classic Jail, isn't it? Being able to build someone from from the announce desk whilst they're wrestling is just something that Jail has always been able to do. Mm. Yeah. I can 100% agree with that. I think he was, I think he did some great JR storytelling. This was really JR again falling into that evergreen style while um, while the two color commentators continued to promote the rest of the event around him. And I thought that was a very, very clever way of promoting this match as well as as well as telling the story that needed to be told. Um, so yeah, um, really. Really thought this was good. Um, the main spot of the match, of course, um, the memorable one that will be replayed in video package after video package. <sighs> that coffin drop. The coffin drop. Mm. Um, just for wow. just for some of our um, just for some of the time jukes who are listening who may not have seen this before, may not have been able to pick up the trans the transmissions through the um, through the kayak away way um, nebula. Uh, explain this spot. Okay, so with the coffin drop, um, Alan got to a point where Cody was on the apron, looking a bit lifeless. So Alan thought it was a good idea to go to the top rope, turn his back to him, look behind him, and then free fall backwards onto the apron. Um, Cody moved out the way and hit his back right on the edge yeah. of the apron. I mean, uh, as we if... all know, <laughs> it's the hardest part of the ring. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I think someone someone's mentioned that a couple of times before. You're sure they've they've told us this year? I, th- I think they have. Yeah, I think it's something that I may have heard on WWE a couple of times, maybe. But okay, okay, fair play. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll have to take. Your I word think Tans like saying it a lot as well. I think I've heard Tans say it a lot. That that wouldn't surprise me actually. That guy yeah. that guy loves talking about that kind of thing. Hardest part of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's quite something um, to see. Um, definitely, probably the bump of the night. If you can imagine just free falling on or one bump of the bumps, of the year. yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine just free falling um, and clipping the ring apron just to the left of your back right shoulder blade, it must have been fucking agonising. And yeah, please stop taking bumps like that, Darby Allen. Um, you know. You're not. You're gonna regret it in ten years' time. Um, I re- I regret. I regret meals. I yeah, yeah. That really is. And they're not. They're not cheap. Unless you work for AEW, because they actually pay your medical bills for you. Um, <laughs> so let's um, summarize. Summarize the rest of the action for the wonderful ladies and gentlemen out there in the I mean, I mean the story for me was obviously the smaller competitor uh, trying to overcome the larger competitor with speed and agility whilst obviously the person was using brute strength which was Cody in the end he, he actually got frustrated at one point with how he was reversing his moves and slapped him in the face which I thought was a good way to show his frustration um, in that match um, yeah I mean this is a match if you haven't thought about watching AW, just check out this match. I mean, it does have Cody in it, and I have not been the biggest fan of Cody thinking, does Cody actually believe his own hype? Um, I think that's a definite yes. Well, yeah, obviously he does, but... Both in and out of kayfabe, you mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> he doesn't strike me as a particularly humble man anymore. <laughs> no offence, Cody. But saying that the I last two matches that he has with AEW have probably been some of the best matches on the card. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I can I can agree with that. Um, I mean, his match with Dusty was a complete and utter classic. Didn't need the big bumps, um, but this is certainly this was certainly a change of pace from that um, for people who want to see what the total package, um, what a total package he can be. Um, there was the disaster kick, um, which was quite a disaster kick that had um, all in eventually being put in the body. Mr. All-In. Yes, Mr. All-In. Um, I mean, surely, surely he's going to do something like that if they do revive the All-In name, of course. Yeah, no, he's, he's kind of got to. But yeah, no, he, obviously, Cody put him inside the body bag, picked him up, disaster kick, took him out the body bag, um, got a two-count, uh, goes for the uh, crossroads reverse into a flip stunner, and this is the end of the match. And this is actually a time-limited match as well. I think we forgot mm. to mention that at the start. Yeah, I mean, it's a 20-minute time limit. Most of the matches at Fight Fest were, um, which obviously led to a much more kind of a much more kind of low-key style. Um, and maybe this is kind of the format that their eventual offering on television um, could potentially look like. Um, obviously, if you were to take out the... Um, the unsanctioned match towards the end but certainly 20 minute time limits on matches they established that they also established the effectiveness of that um please continue so there was a reverse flip out stunner um allen goes to run the ropes coda pulls him back hits the crossroads went for the pin against the two count again well the two count as the time runs out um yeah so he was about, about to hit the three, and the time ran out, and that makes it a timed draw. Hmm. Now, with it being a time match, um, it adds it adds a new life for a one standard four counter uh, yeah. encounter. Sorry, and it goes back to the southern style of wrestling back in the seventies, eighties. It's very smart to bring this back, I think, and it will also help time issues as well that they had previously. Yeah, I mean, um, it allows them to time matches slightly better. The fact that this match got to the point where it got um, and the timing was so very perfect, there was about, if you are looking out for it and you knew it was coming, um, which they did certainly do a little bit of telegraphing um, as the the timekeeper um, gives a mark at um, 10 minutes remaining, 5 minutes remaining, 2 minutes remaining and 1 minutes remaining. Um, and then counts down from 10. Um, you could see Cody awaiting the time. Um, you could see Cody awaiting the countdown at one point with a pose yeah. just before, just about 12 seconds. But the very fact that he got to that point with 12 seconds to spare um, was, it shows the level of awareness that he has, the level of timing that both these competitors had. Um, because it was a genuine 20 minute match, um, I sat there and made sure that I was timing it. Um, on my second viewing, and it was bang on. So, what more? That's can good say? because obviously, you know, these half an hour Ironman matches you get in WWE <laughs> go for like eighteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, in the total, one, the ones that are preceded um, by a thirty-five minute non-Ironman match. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's, let's go with that. You know the ones. 
Um, we're talking Ziggler and Rollins, I think it was. Okay. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, they had, they had that third... Half an hour, but it ended up... Oh, yeah, yeah, it ended Not... up being... Um, the time being added on to make it half an hour, but it was after it was meant to be half an hour. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Um, no, yeah. no, I'm saying yeah. that I'm saying that they had that match, and on the Raw before they had that match, the two had a non-Iron Man match that lasted 35 minutes. Oh, right, okay. Which is possibly the worst way to build an Iron Man match. I mean, if Brett and Sean, before WrestleMania, had decided to have an hour and 20 minutes match before their one-hour Iron Man match, it would have sucked all the air out of that as well. It was a terrible idea. Awful booking. Um, let's move on before I talk about how terrible um, WWE is for another half hour. <laughs> So um Let me yeah. move on, don't we, to Sean Spears entering the ring. Yeah. Um With Sean Spears cracks him over the head. And this is Cody I'm talking about, sorry. He's cracks of Cody over the head. Appears and... right behind Cody. Um Cody turns around, just clocks him in the head with a chair. Busts and the back of his head. The back of his head opened. Yeah. Um really quite a whack, unprotected headshot. Um First off, let's talk about the actual gimmickry of this. Um, well, the actual the actual um, feel of this as a moment. How how did you feel this played when you were watching it the first time? Well, it was quite shocking to see an unprotected headshot the way that it was done, really. Obviously, when it was happening, um, Cody turned his, his head to the right. Mm. I don't see how that's going to help any of the impact. I'm guessing he's trying to make it not hit his temple or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the back of the chair hit the back of his head because that chair caved on top of his head. If you yeah. watch it in slow motion, um, yeah, that's basically mm. how the right side of his head got ripped open, even though it looks like it, it was on the left side. The chair did fully go over his head and yeah right i mean what we're looking at here i mean um just speaking from um laws of pain.net um who are um not one of our sponsors um as previously reported one of the major talking points coming out of fire first was the unprotected chair shot to the head cody rhodes took from sean spears the chair shot left him dazed and required 12 staples to close that is shoot staples real staples um during the post-show interviews both the young bucks and tony khan implied that the chair shot did not go as planned tony khan referred to the situation as unfortunate and one that the company would address more going forward. Um, the Young Bucks appeared to elaborate by stating that the chair was gimmicked, but something obviously went awry. I mean, it's not unusual for the Young Bucks and Cody to work um, to work people in this way. Um, I will say that. Wouldn't surprise me if they were doing that. Um, obviously, there's some crossover in being the elite with this kind of storyline anyway. Um, but at the same time, my assumption is entirely your assertion there that he he hit him with um, he hit him with the top of the seat of the folded chair. Um, this was then. Uh, I feel that it went over his head and it unfolded slightly, and then as Sean was pulling away from Cody, um, it cut the back of Cody's head um, as he fell to the floor um, against the rim of the backrest. 
Um, would you say that that was that would be a fair assessment? Um, as I would to, say that's yeah, very accurate. To be fair, yeah, that is my thoughts as to what occurred there. Um, other, uh, I didn't see a possible way he could have bladed at that stage, and there was, it was thick blood. It, I mean, it's always stark when somebody with with hair that blonde bleeds in that manner. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that that did not look good. He was on the floor for about five seconds, and then after that five seconds, you just started seeing this puddle emerging on the mat, just mm. getting bigger and bigger. It was pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on unprotected headshots in 2019? Um, do you think that this is AEW's further way of kind of separating themselves from the pack? Um, do you think it's the right way to do it in this day and age? Where are I you mean, they're it? not afraid to use, to use power drivers and things like that, but I think unprotected headshots, you've got to be careful, obviously, due to concussions and things like that. You concussions, concussions can happen with pretty much anything, a wrong kick to the head, mm. just slipping in in a move somewhere and just landing on your head wrong. Just Yeah, concussions can be really bad for someone, as, as we, we know with the history of a certain person. Um, yeah, of course. That we do not mention. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, unprotected headshots, I don't think they should happen. I think you should protect yourself if you're going to do a headshot. Obviously, it, it looks better when you don't. It it obviously does look better. If but anyone's going to demand taking that shot. If anyone is going to demand that that headshot be unprotected, I would imagine it'd be Cody in this day and age. You can imagine him being very stubborn about that, can you not? Yeah, no, you can. You can be like, no, it's got to look great. It's got to be the right kind of headshot. Mm. But um, it's it's certainly a rough statement to make um, when you're a locker room leader like Cody, and I don't necessarily think it will be a good move if if, if what we're seeing is what was planned to happen. Um, let's move let's move forward from that, unless you have anything else to say. Um, where would you be star-wise on this match? Star-wise? Yeah. Um, 5.5. 5.5 out of 6. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a solid five point two five. <laughs> okay. A nice square five point two five. Nice square five point two five. I like it. I like your train of thought there. Yeah. <laughs> so after this was, of course, the advertised main event, um, or at least the main event um, that was sanctioned. This was, of oh, course, the evening. Indeed. Um, it was explained to us that um, although this wasn't the final match of the night, um, there was an unsanctioned match after this that we will go into shortly. Um, this was the Lucha Bros and um, I want to say the Lucha Bros and the Laredo Kid, um, and they were against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, or as they were as they were billed, the Elite. Um, yeah, really enjoy seeing the Lucha Bros. The more I see them, the more I'm starting to not like them. How so? Um, they're very impressive in the ring, clearly. Um, I don't know. It it just seems to be the more of the same stuff over and over again. They don't seem to be able to switch up their style. Um, I mean, my favorite match of theirs was with LAX in the uh, Metal Mayhem match in Impact. Yeah. Brilliant match. Very, very, very good together. match. 
really enjoyed that match. Um, I enjoyed their last match with the Young Bucks that I saw. Um, I don't know. They're just they're not doing it for me anymore. I, I want them to be slightly different. Maybe less high-flying. I know that's their thing. They're luchas, but mm. Pentagon has this... I had this gimmick of this evil character. I think they should definitely bring that back. Dark Gun, Dark Phoenix, and just really, really heal them up. I'm hoping you may see a bit more of the subtle character work from them um, as they get regular TV time on a weekly show, um, possibly more so than we're necessarily seeing at the moment. Do remember that although these aren't these aren't full-on double or nothing level pay-per-views they are still pay-per-views um in format if nothing else they're they're network specials in the very least um so from my perspective um i think they may be putting it all out especially considering that they're against the young bucks and kenny omega in this instance i can see why they would want to stick with a formula that works um and yeah plays yeah obviously yeah obviously you give the fans what they want mm. and send them home happy but I yeah. really I really want them to switch up some of their style yeah of course really get aggressive I think we could see that um, I think I think we probably will see that um, on the on the weekly show I think at the moment most wrestlers who are appearing are using this as a showcase and a jumping on point um, because the assumption is is that maybe not everybody who could um, who didn't pay for double or nothing maybe they could um see the fighter fest at least and as a result this would be this would be kind of a good place to kind of showcase that same level of level of match um so I, i'm still quite hopeful for them um i think i i do get what you're saying though completely agree um to some degree but i think give them a regular format show and they will probably they will probably allow for that um, thoughts on Laredo Kid? Is this your first time seeing him? Um, I think so. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen him wrestle before, and I'm fully impressed with this guy. Yeah, fits in nicely with fit the Lucha quite, Bros. Yeah, fit, yeah, with the high fly thing. Yeah, <laughs> flippy floppy. Yeah, flippy floppy, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, yeah. No, he's good. Um, I mean, if they want to bring him over to AEW permanently, I would like to see him in a singles match. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, the Young I'm Bucks ready to stay on him. Apart from that, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega um, give us their um, a special Street Fighter inspired entrance. That seems to be something that's going around at the moment, as you may have noticed by um, the theme tune that kicked off this show today. Um, what did you feel about this? Did you mark out like I did because I went absolutely crazy for it? Yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, um, it was a shame that um, Kenny's. Um, custom made Akuma suit wasn't ready for the event hmm. that was a shame that was a shame although that may have been part of the but joke. it still went off quite well because he still had the um, sign on the back didn't he yeah he had the sign on, on the back um, there yeah. was a rather there was a rather overt reference as well to um, the Batista fan um, who jumped in on Batista um, in that famous outtake um, on WWE um, which yep. of course was the Young Bucks posing in their Ken and Ryu costumes a 
um, Kenny Omega lookalike um, dressed as a fan jumps the rail and then does the Batista style um, arm cannon um, which Batista very famously had a fan um, had a fan do to him and cracked up laughing at um, in one of WWE's much replayed outtakes um, at which point all lights go out and we get the can you say the name of this move? Um you, you, you have to crack it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Shun Goku Satsu um, was then performed, um, which, for those of you who are not fans of Street Fighter 2 and its legacy, Akuma's finishing move um, re- causes the screen to go black. It's 54 hit combo, isn't it? Yes, um, the 54 yeah. hit congo, um, combo, the Shun Goku Satsu. The screen goes black, symbols appear across the screen, and when they light up, he is standing with his back to the camera, displaying his flaming symbol on his back as his opponent lies completely lifeless at his feet. It is the game ender. It's also an absolute bastard to pull off every time because it requires several um, direction and um, pad inputs that are completely punch, unrelated. Light kicks, medium punches. Yeah, just completely related <laughs> to each fast other. concession. Yeah. <laughs> um, really quite something um, to see a reference to this. Um, I completely marked out for it. If you only see one thing from this and you are a video game fan, go out of your way to see this entrance. It is, it is absolute pants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, other than that, what else can we say about the actual the actual content of this match? Well, we also got a round one fight. We did, well. we did. They forced did. the ring announcer to say yeah. round one fight before the match, which added to the confusion slightly um, because obviously, as there's only one round. And technically, <laughs> if they really wanted to play it, he could probably go for round two fight, considering these guys saw they each other. They should have done a two out of three falls. Well, they could have just gone for round two fight considering that these guys had already fought previously um, at Double or Nothing, granted with a smaller teams, but it could have worked. I reckon they should have done two or three falls, and then it would have worked better. I reckon they did round two fight. And if it got to three, round three fight. Mm. You know, like Street Fighter. Yeah, it would have worked in a two out of three falls. I don't think they had the time for it, which, fair play. Yeah, so the match in general was fast-paced, high-flying, a lot of um, tandem moves. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. To be fair, but still going back to Lucha Bros, I would need the, I need them to, <laughs> to be more aggressive. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we had like, come. So the Lucha Bros and the Kid um, did a, a double somersault plancher. Um, Asai Moonsault combination onto the outside Elite. That was pretty damn good. Not timed too well. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was still good all the same. Um, the Asai Moonsault has to be the same time as the, the um, somersault plunges. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. They were off. That's normally how it's performed. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think to that? Um, 
all in all, I like the flow of these guys wrestling each other. Um, I mean, obviously, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have fought um, in three-way tag team matches ad infinitum um, in regards to um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, especially for times when there were series on um, where they will have been alternating between the undercard and the overcard. Um, so, obviously, this is a format that they understand well as a team, and they certainly showed that um, that experience um in this match so they worked pretty much like a well-oiled machine throughout um with the occasional um slip from um with the occasional slip from matt obviously continuing his his rather subtle storyline in regards to him being slightly ring rusty um that carried on from double or nothing other than that though um thoroughly enjoyed that part of it i got a bit confused at various points um in regards to who was and wasn't a lucha bro um, which I think is probably <laughs> to be expected, um, considering that they're all they're all kind of of that modern style of the elaborate dark mask um, kind of kind of favor. But all in all, I did enjoy the match. There were some really really good spots. Um, I the Hadouken spot kind of threw out some of the believability for me. Um, but some of the more kind of interpersonal kind of bancy segments. Oh, I love the Hadouken spot. I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, <laughs> I just, it's something that I would enjoy in private, but if a non-wrestling fan saw it, um, they would immediately think that my um, entire, um, my entire love of this faux sport is perhaps a little bit misplaced. Okay. <laughs> so um <laughs> there's also a great spot with kid on on the match shoulders and then the double super kick reverse rana spot mm-hmm. love the can't you can't escape followed up by um the elbow drop and the swanton bomb yeah no that was really well perfectly executed yeah perfectly executed and then of there's course a few, there's, there's, there's a lot of things going off yeah, yeah what, what was your of the spots you liked um i like the whole um I like the um, snap suplexes in sequence um, to all three members from Kenny Omega. That happened about halfway through the match. That, to me, was... Oh, uh, yeah, the, the snap dragons. Yeah, yeah the brilliant. snap dragons. That was really well put together. Um, there were some kind of... There were some kind of nine to twelve act sequences um, into into playing off these um, off these guys. So these guys are they clearly have that experience where they know each other really really well, and that showed throughout the match. Um, another spot that I quite liked was um, Phoenix's um, rollover um, rollover German suplex, um, where he rolls and then flips off the rope and then comes back again. Um, really do like that at the same time it did come across as a bit overused towards the end but at least that element paid off in that um he wasn't able to pull off his third attempt at that move after overusing it um so fair play but no i overall i like the ring psychology here um and the story it told was of um a team who had just slightly more innovation than the others so liked it i mean innovation I mean, you had like Fender throws Phoenix over the ropes onto Nick. Uh, Phoenix lands. He landed pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and then the kid to the rope where Kenny was perched and hits the belly to belly Spanish fly uh, for the two count as um, Penta jumps off the back and then hits hits the devastating destroyer. And I believe that was onto Matt. Yeah. 
um, was really quite devastating. I really did enjoy the um, belly to belly Mexican fly, really well put together. Um, and yeah, what else can you say? Um, there was the walk the ropes um, Mexican fly um, as well, which I can. I'm just scanning down your notes here. Um, well done for noting, by the way. Um, yeah, there was the walk the ropes <laughs> Spanish fly. Um, really, really quite something. Um, nothing you can say about that other than the fact that and then we, when we finished off with some v trigger action and the one one winged angel so yeah. and that's it the elite have won and that's mm. the elite winning again and you don't you know don't see them losing yeah i mean kenny omega did need a win um on the back of the jericho loss um but at the same time Nine I times out of ten, they're winning. Well, <laughs> well, actually, we're talking two times out of two at this stage. Um, but you know what I meant. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I, I'm hoping that they do get a comeuppance at um, Fight for the Fallen in two weeks' time. Um, in regards to that, in some form, um, I would imagine Cody and Dustin probably beating them. Um, the young bucks, insofar as that that sits, but again, I am con- still win. <laughs> I am still slightly concerned about this situation, and I'm sure you can understand. Um, Back in two weeks' share. time, I mean, if he's got a concussion, that match might not even happen. Um, yeah, that would be a shame. Actually, that would be a real shame. We might have to watch this the round three fight. Yes, fight. Um, after this of course the lights go out for the unsanctioned match Um, I'm going to point out the lights never went out but we'll we'll leave that the the lights did go out I obviously missed it the two times that I watched the match (laughs) yeah no did you um, did you watch the whole show or were you watching highlight reels or what I've seen the whole show twice Okay, they switched the lights off and then switched them back on again briefly in the ring announcement. I missed moment. it twice. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, fair play. Um, if I'm utterly honest, <laughs> I feel that they missed a trick here because what I would have done is I would have switched the lights off and then when I switched it back on, I would have made sure that other than the AEW symbol, everything else was black in a parody of Raw's third hour. Okay, I can't really comment because I completely missed it well yeah i mean as i say the lights (laughs) the lights went off and then they came back on and the set was exactly the same um and i feel that all they had to do was to take the background of the trees off the oh okay so and then just make the crowd take the lights off the crowd and just put it onto the ring no 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 do you know where the screen had the aew and then it had the multicolored thing and all the all the trees on it on the screen yeah yeah yeah, so if the lights had gone out and then when they came back on, the set was entirely black apart from the AEW symbol for the last this match. Makes, this would make sense. Because obviously would it would be, would be a dig to the WWE's final hour of Raw and it would, it would make a statement and I'm just surprised they missed that trick. We are, of course, talking about the match between Mox and Joey Janela, an unsanctioned match um, that is a no disqualification, no count out 
street fight style match or a death match as it were um yeah where to begin um i see <laughs> where that... to begin with this match this was a crazy crazy match really really quite something mox obviously has left his um short shorts in japan um and is back in the combat trousers um so kind of cool kind of cool that he's rocking two images at the moment and still both play perfectly to his character so that's fair um joe janela finishes mm-hmm. cause completely different things in promotions the death rider and the paradigm shift yes um this is indeed the case um this is due to new japan pro wrestling recently filing a copyright for the name of the move death rider um it is assumed that they have done that in order to um stop aew using the death rider name um in regards to john moxley um is that why aew stopped john moxley from being on the u.s show for new japan pro wrestling by any chance um, I would imagine that a non-compete clause um, between AEW and other American promotions um, could be in place, um, particularly in regards to those that have international television exposure. Um, and I think that New Japan would probably fall into that. That's entirely rumour and innuendo, idle speculation on my part. But that would be my thoughts, um, would be um, that international television rights um, are possibly involved in an exclusive deal with AEW. Would all make sense. I mean, mm. but he's, he's the same person, but two different wrestling styles and two different promotions. I mean, who else is actually doing that today? Um, yeah, no one. Um, <sighs> I, I don't know. You could argue... No, you couldn't argue. I can't Just think no one's of doing it. Yeah, I can't think of <laughs> another no wrestler who is. I was and then there's to... Joey Janela. <laughs> yeah. So Joey Janela, thoughts on Joey Janela? Um, not really seen too much of him. I mean, I've, the only match that I really saw was against Adam Page, which was good. Um, and he's part of a company called GCF, I believe. Um, it may be his company. I don't hold me to that though um mm. they're having this backyard thing backyard wrestling thing that's happening yeah. in a couple of weeks that should be interesting to say the least but um yeah no he's obviously a guy who doesn't give a crap about anything yeah. or to do anything and doesn't mind putting his body on the line in jeopardy for the art of the death match so yeah um i mean he's Clearly, he's the type of guy for that. Um, he's he's the kind of person that you do want to see um, in this type of match with him, judging by the performance that he put in. Um, yeah, his career mostly seems to have been with um, GCW Game Changer Wrestling, um, where he spent four years um, along with Combat Zone Wrestling. He does appear to be um, kind of a CZW alum. Um, so... He, he fought in the Cage of Death, um, which I don't know if you're aware of the Cage of Death. Um, I believe I've actually watched a Cage of Death match before, a while yeah. back. But, yeah. It it was 
a fairly brutal, tarted style of match. It's got panes of glass, um, several different layers. Um, Do they have like some kind of scaffolding at the top as well? Where there is people scaffolding. Where thrown off and they fall through tables on the outside of the cage. Yes, um, this is indeed the case. Um, I would struggle. Isn't that how you win? <laughs> Much. I think that? you. I think yeah. you throw them off the top of the scaffolding, um, yeah. and kind of go from there. A good place where you can see an example of um, of a cage of death is in the um, documentary available on Amazon Prime, The Trade, um, which follows the um, follows the life and times of um, sick Nick Mondo. Um, and his um, time with Drew Gulak in Combat Zone Wrestling um, as he yeah that is one hell of a documentary to watch if you're interested in this style of wrestling and it does show off the Cage of Death. Some of the pains of the Cage of Death have barbed wire um, just kind of tangled in them. Some of them are panes of glass some of them are um, have various weapons kind of just tap to them really is worth seeing um as a documentary on the side if you if you are subscribed to amazon prime go out of your way for that one even just, if it is a little bit kayfabe just just a link signet mundo and mox together he's the one that's actually producing all these videos for him uh signet mundo um that does not surprise me um certainly from how he um because he directed the trade um which is kind of his final kind of chapter in character as Sicknick. Um, and I can actually see some of that um, in, in what he's produced. Uh, really quite a story. It's one I of mean, those untold stories of wrestling. Um, we were wondering who was doing it, and it was Sicknick Mundo all this time. Mm. Yeah. Um, that guy, he went, he, he went over to Japan um, for a while. Um, when he was in exile post CZW, right. um, and he was doing um, he was doing PR work um, and event planning over there, um, and then when he did return to CZW um, in order to, um, well, I mean, I don't want to ruin the entire story for anyone, but um, yeah, he he came back um, in order to um, kind of his place had been taken by a fan. Um, who had a massive CZW career and he held a lot of guilt for that um, because of how he'd influenced this fan from when he was um, effectively um, known as um, Little Mondo um, and then he worked CZW for longer than Sicknick ever did um, and became more and more self-destructive as he went so really quite something um, in regards to his career um, and kind of is a good way to link into this John Moxley Joe Janela match. Um, Joe Janela obviously played a part um, in Combat Zone after that, 2014 to 2018, and has very similar kind of experience. It's understandable that you get this story of the former um, champion of of deathmatch wrestling in John Moxley facing Joey Janela in this case, and it really is a gift to the fans of the CZW promotion. Jay? Jay. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, no, I was just enjoying your, your monologue on CCW and how it is a destructive um, company. Um, that's what I got yeah. from that. Um, mm. um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, 
what were your thoughts going into this match then? Um, were you did you have high hopes for it? Um, I knew it was going to be good. Um, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be this good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a big fan of death matches anyway. It seems to be more your forte than mine. Um, yeah, no, I seem to be watching a few bit more death matches these days with the whole um, BJJ wrestling or BJW, sorry, Big Japan wrestling. Um, yeah, obviously get the name right. I haven't watched too much ccw but i have watched a little bit of it um but yeah no yeah japan's yeah. crazy um yeah it seems to be um, more an art form of it in america and the way things are structured are slightly better and they don't slice themselves with knives or pull out guns so that's always good yeah no we do we do prefer it if um no self-mutilation or gunshots yeah, the only, gun, <laughs> the, the only gun that I would recommend in any match is, of course, the no-fun gun. Um, bit of an insider reference to our Progress Wrestling fans there. Um, so let's actually talk about the match, though. Um, so <laughs> John Moxley, um, obviously, fairly hardcore, has a lot of plywood boards with barbed wire that he's kept under the ring. Got a thing though. He's, he's he's coming back into into the deathmatch scene. He's he's got something to prove. He left that. He went to WWE. Didn't really get to showcase any of his hardcore technical and technical blah 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 technical ability. Hardcore <laughs> technical ability. Hardcore technical ability. Um, as soon as he had that street fight with Brock Lesnar and nothing. I had high hopes for that yeah. and just just nothing. He wasn't able to do anything. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Moxie starts off the match strong. Um, he uses a body slam using a chair, which is straight out of Terry Funk's book. Yeah, wrapped in barbed wire was this, this one? This one wasn't wrapped in barbed wire. It's just a straight chair, just a normal okay, cool. body slam onto a chair. That's always going to be effective at any time mm. you do it. Yeah. Then that moves on to Mox sitting on the chair and... Uh, Jerry somersaults through the chair, completely collapsing <sighs> the chair. <laughs> yeah. um, that that looked fucking brutal. Um, uh, there's no words for that. This is this is one of those matches you have to see for yourself to truly truly appreciate it. Um, That's the thing about we'll death do matches. Our best. When when they're yeah. done this well, you to appreciate it, you do have to watch it yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could go through all the notes that I've got here, but I don't know. What, I think, what... I think, I I think personally, let's just list some of the things that are used in this. There are boards with barbed wire um, wrapped around them. There is a chair with barbed wire wrapped around it. There are thumbtacks. Um, so many thumbtacks. Barefoot spots uh, for thumbtacks. There, there are barefoot spots. <laughs> in thumbtacks um people have their shoes taken off um end up being slammed onto their feet on thumbtacks before deep that into there the was heels. an aplex by mox on on Janello, and then he threw him feet first yeah. into the tax it was absolutely fucked up and then the elevated mm-hmm. i want to call it death rider but it's the other one because it's aew and that's a paradigm shift yeah, paradigm shift yep yeah. Into the thumbtacks. Into the thumbtacks. And, of course, the one thing that will be replayed time and time again is, of course, the running DVD by Janella through Bob Wireboard in the corner. That, 
for me, was the image of the night. <laughs> I've seen this match twice, and I want to go back and watch it again. It is that good. They, yeah. they, they, yeah. they know how to pull off a hardcore match. All you need to do now is throw in Jimmy Havoc, triple threat, and we're sorted. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is right up there. Um, if you are looking for your deathmatch fix, short of um, Will Ospreay and Jimmy Havoc um, at Progress Wrestling 68, um, there's not really much better you can do. We are forgetting, though, the elbow drop mm. from the top of the ladder through the tables <sighs> on the outside. The highest spot of the night. I mean, this was something that Jeff Hardy would have thought twice about doing. Just go out of your way to watch it. Not going to spoil the result. Um, we've already spoiled most of it, but go out of your way to watch it, guys. Um, <laughs> unsanctioned match. Definitely, definitely see it as soon as you can. Um, really good showing for Mox. Um, he gets attacked by Kenny Omega at the end. He does. He brutally attacked um, by Kenny Omega at the end. Yeah. So we could end up seeing a Kenny Omega death match, do you reckon? I don't think so. I don't think he's a deathmatch kind of guy. I don't think he would he'd do it. Maybe that's what he wants you to think. Be interesting to see Kenny in a deathmatch because if you saw Mox's face at the end of that beating, he was laughing his face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, he he corpsed at one point. And it just kind of went from there. I don't think he was supposed to laugh, but um, I seem to remember the cameraman fell over. Um, and from that point, he was incapable of not doing that whole I've been beaten up, but I'm laughing thing, um, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure was um, a legit way of him kind of trying to work through um, his shoot laughing at a cameraman. Um, but or, or all, just the, I, the pain of the tax in his back. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, I mean, I do get the idea that eventually pain just becomes so extreme it's funny in those situations, so I can understand it. Um, Shall we just summarise the show as a whole? Where are you on it? Um, um, Fighter Fest. So, buy-in, complete trash. Main show, fucking awesome. I couldn't get another that uh, I was popping in just about every single match yeah. certain th- certain different things throughout the whole thing uh, this one's been really well put together um, I prefer this to Double or Nothing and this was a free show um, yeah I can understand why you'd say that this certainly feels that it's more indicative of the format of the product that they are going to be established moving forward um, that it's a lot of the matches were more low-key and psychological than they were necessarily bells and whistles um, but when they did break out the bells and whistles every time they did it it meant something there wasn't a hint of wasted motion across a lot of it and just as a show as a whole it was more well-rounded for a free show um, for a free show I don't think you could do worse for your money you- I would have paid for that show. No, wait, I don't think you could I tried do to pay for that show, money. but my fight network wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't even work, so I found other means. <laughs> yeah. Fair play. Um, but no, I, I, I think it... Well, it was it was free on... Um, Bleach Report. It was free on Bleach Report Live, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it is still available on there. If not, um, definitely go out of your way Just to watch wrestling. <laughs> Any other way... 
um, please feel free um, to follow Jay's instruction. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot time juke pole. Um, anything else before we put an end to this episode? I am excited for things to come for AEW now. I was very, very skeptical at the beginning, but they yeah, have turned me so into a believer, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the next show in two weeks, see what's happening there for the um, charity show. And then we yeah. move into um, All Out um, in Chicago. And then from there, we move into the main show. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward for what's to come for AEW. I certainly am as well. Um, in regards to what's to come for us, obviously, um, we will continue to be joined by um, our colleague, um, Jesse the Body Ventura, who is now our narrator. Um, Jesse, what did you think to our first show? I thought it was great. I hope we work together a lot in the future. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, no, it's strange how it sounded like you were almost as close to the mic to me just then. Oh, it's the trick of what I do. Yeah, awesome. Um, other than that, um, we will, of course, soon be talking to... Oh. I found him. Excellent. Um, me and Jay have somewhere to go now. Um, we are going to sort out somebody who has been a massive problem to us. Jesse, things may get a little bit ugly from here anything else um next week we will be well coming soon we'll be talking about indie wrestling as a whole as we move towards AEW's fight for the fallen as well as discussing njpw's g1 climax supercard beard and bear is almost out jay anything else progress got a show coming up we'll be covering that as well we certainly will um it's a lot of fun see you guys later Thanks for listening to JFabe on this Snarflugian Life. Going to hand back over to Ira Glassbutt. Alongside running his robot body shop emporium, Jesse the Body Ventura is now the narrator for JFPN shows. You can catch JFPN shows anywhere where you get your podcasts. Act 3, Crossing the Front Lines. A spoken word confession from Ogtaz. Ogtaz will explain. Doobie-doo, my name's Taz. So I decided the best thing I could do is go on a vendetta across space and time with a time juke. Um... Probably not the best idea. In fact, kind of regretting it. For your listening pleasure, right now, this is the black box recording from my time ship on the day he dropped back into my life and changed the format of it forever. Well, my name's Taz. This is it, Rich. You finally got me. All of my immortal water, the stuff that made me live forever, that I'd stored deep inside. My ship has ran out. Oh, Alexa, how could he do such terrible things to me? All I wanted to do was kill him. 
But I'm gonna have my revenge now. For I've hired an assassin. And he's gonna make sure that you don't get a glimpse of happiness. Rich. He knows about Jake Fabian. He knows about your son. And he's gonna make sure that you watch as he slits your boy's throat. I wish I could be there. No. What are you doing? You can't come here. Why would you come here? No. I was gone. It was over. See, I never connected the man to the legend. When people of my planet speak of Beard and Bear, the two travelers through time, they don't call them Beard and Bear, so I didn't recognize them until that moment. They call them the oncoming scar, the bringer of nightmares, the judge of the stars, the breakers of chains, the encroaching darkness, the sword of justice, liberated from nightmares, and his trusty companion Beard. He never raised his voice. That was the worst part. The wrath of the Time Duke was horrendous. It was that point that I realized why he had chosen to hide himself in 1988, pretend to be a human. It wasn't because he was scared. It was because he was being kind. He contacted the Sultana home planet, where I'm from, and they stripped me of my military ranks for traveling back in time and assuming the identity of Taz, screwing with the timeline. Then he put me to work as Commissioner of Healing in the Retardus. It was my job to prescribe medicines, an insult to my warmongering race. They even told him my real name, Octaz. It's a stupid name. One that I must wear in dishonor every day I'm tracking down the assassin I hired to one day avenge my debt to his father. So my journey continues. I'm a prisoner now. I'm protecting the son of my enemy from the assassin I hired, hoping to one day repay the debt I owe so I can regain my Sultana heritage. Until then, he keeps a locked supply of Taz water in the Retardus, giving it to me like a pet as a treat, making me his slave. But I'm watching him for witness, and one day soon I will strike and overthrow my captor, and I will be reunited with the woman I love. I'm coming for you. Alexa, I am coming for you. We will be together in the end. And then Rich, he will rue the day that he ever crossed me. <laughs> My name's Taz. My name's Taz, yeah. Taz. Taz. <laughs> Taz, we will be together soon. Where is my Taz? I love my Taz. Why would you take him away from me? Taz, I am assuming commanded your ship in your absence. I am ordering a 24th century Sultana time core on Amazon and some hairspray. I am setting a beacon for you to follow my love. We will be together soon.
<laughs> this isn't over, Rich. This isn't over by a long shot. Where? My name's Taz. Algene Taz there. He's currently considered detained by the time Duke known as Rich and servitude at the pleasure of the Sultana Senate. Our program today was produced by Joe Berbigliabat, and parts of it were recorded in Snarflurg territory. All hail King Snarflurg. Special thanks go to Jesse the Body Ventures Robot Body Shop Emporium for allowing us to record our first story, along with Chief Barista Enzo Amore for making a mean cup of coffee. You can't teach that. Our contributors include Jay, aka Beard, and the time dude known as Rich, aka Bear. Please follow them on Twitter at Podcast. also available wherever you listen to great podcasts. Also, I'd like to thank OG Taz for our third act and the psychic entity known as Shigarth for suggesting the program subject. Expecting big things from Shigarth. Probably about season two time. Music for this episode included Gordon Jenkins' Caravan, Ryu 80's theme from Street Fighter 2, originally composed by Asayo Abi and Shia Nishigagi, and in this instance, remixed by James Garrison Summers. Please follow him on Instagram, that is at jgs.music, along with the Street Fighter 4 orchestral theme composed by Capcom. And finally, Tears for Fears there. Watch me bleed. Please continue listening and supporting this Snarflurgian life on Snarflurg Public Radio. Please also check out JFPM. They were a major contributor in this show. The head of Snarflurg Public Radio is in the office today. Tell me, what did you think of the show? Not timed too well, <laughs> but it was still good all the same. We'll be back next time on this Snarflurgian Life. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>